NPR and Futuro Media, it's Latino USA. I'm Maria Hinojosa. Today, we dive into the world of nostalgia television with the Nickelodeon cult favorite, Taina. In the 1990s, a Puerto Rican lawyer named Maria Perez Brown decided to make a major career move from law to entertainment. Soon after, Maria Perez Brown made her mark on children's television with two multicultural shows. One was Gullah Gullah Island, a show about an African-American family living off the coast of South Carolina in an indigenous community, which aired in 1994. The other TV show was Taina, a sitcom about a Latina teenager, which aired in 2001. Both shows were on Nickelodeon, and both shows now have their own cult followings. In this episode, we're going to focus on the legacy of Taina. The show, which premiered in 2001, is about a 15-year-old Latina from Queens who attends a performing arts high school in Manhattan and who constantly daydreams about being a star. She's portrayed by actor Cristina Vidal. Hey! Some of the greatest stars in the world have gone to the Manhattan School of the Arts. And now it's our turn. Taina works towards her goal of becoming a famous singer and actress, all while juggling quality time with her Puerto Rican family in her multi-generational household. You know, just your average American sitcom. Abuelo, I'll never forget you. Chuleta, the past disappears unless you make an effort to hold on to it. While the show only lasted two seasons, the themes of the show are seared into the memories of many who grew up watching it. And there are those who are still discovering Taina today. Last year, I sat down with the award-winning creator of Taina, Maria Perez-Brown, to talk about taking the plunge into the world of children's television and about the show's surprisingly long legacy. In the early 2000s, you really were one of those Latinas who was challenging all of us because um, Afro-Latina from New York City, Puerto Rican, lawyer, and you walk away from it all to create television. That's right. That's right. I went to law school because I didn't really know what else to do. And I didn't think that I could do the arts, even though I was secretly passionate about writing. And six years into being a tax lawyer and paying loans, I realized I am not happy And I just circled a date in the calendar, and I said, I am going to write. I'm just going to leave. And try explaining to your Puerto Rican mother, I'm leaving my good job as an abogada to write television. (laughs) When the only thing she knew was telenovelas. (laughs) So it was quite a transition. How did you come up with this idea to do a show called Taina? And this was... So the year was? Well, it was uh, 1996 when I started thinking of the idea, but 2000 when it actually got done. All right. So talk to me about 1996. Well, I have to backtrack a little bit because my first show was Gullah Gullah Island. And it was by design that we made it African-American. Come and let's play together in the bright sunny weather. Let's all go to Nickelodeon back then had a very progressive leader who had her staff look at television and say, what's wrong with this channel? And no one could tell her. And she said, there's no black people. And she made it a mission for the executives to find African-American content 
And I happened to be there because I was representing writers for free. And lucky for me, I had been writing my little closet writing. And I said, as a matter of fact, I have a show to do about a family that's Latino that lives in the island of Puerto Rico. But I know you guys are not ready to talk about people that are Latino. So I can make them African-American and I can set them in the islands of South Carolina, which is a culture that exists within another culture, the Gullah culture. And they love the concept. Something tells me there's not going to be a lot of sleep at this sleepover. Then we'd better show them how it's done. Mm -hmm. Did you ever do a dance that was called the Freddy? We surrounded the African-American family with Latina families. And I wanted to test the waters and see how people reacted. So the first person we cast was Edie's Chacon. Mmm, what smells so good? It's my feel-better soup. What's in it? A little bit of this and a little bit of that. Now, a lot of <laughs> for those of you who grew up eating, watching Edie's Chacon, she was the vedette of America. Sort of the uh, the precursor to Jennifer Lopez and her body type. She's wild and bold and got a kind of amazing body that she loves to flaunt. Yes. And when I placed her right next to the family as the family next door, and I named her after my mother, Juana. One cup of rainbows, a kitchen sink. A touch of pixel I think. <laughs> it's funny, she came up to me one day, I'm walking down the street and little kids are saying, Miss Juana, Miss Juana, instead of Edie's Jacqueline. So Gala Gala goes away, but you don't give up. You have this creation of the show, Taina. I remember that we were finishing Gullah Gullah, and the network looked at me and said, do you have something else? And I said, I'm now I'm ready to tell my Latino story. Soy Taina. I am a descendant of the Taino Indians, first inhabitants of Puerto Rico. I'm ready to show a girl that lives with a foot in two cultures. And that's what Taina did constantly. So just tell me who Taina was, and in your own words, what was your sense of what this show was going to be about? Well, Taina, for me, was my alter ego. Do you know what this can mean, Renee? <laughs> the big time. Hit records. Videos. Endorsement contracts. Girl, I see your milk mustache now. <laughs> I felt that Taina reflected the dreams that every young Latina has to aspire to be something. And that something doesn't only have to be an athlete or a movie star. She had a passion for something, and she wasn't going to stop at anything until she accomplished her goals. It's okay, Ty. Rejection is part of the business. Yeah, but you have to be seen before you can be rejected. I mean, they wouldn't even let me audition when they found out I didn't really have an agent. She's 15. She lives in Queens. She takes the train every single day into the city to be in the School of the Arts. And she walks around Broadway, and she dreams that she sees her names in lights. Do you think it's interesting that the executives, right around 2001, were really open and receptive to a show about a Puerto Rican girl from Queens? Well, you know, there was a lot of statistics. There was a lot of research coming out saying, look at the population numbers. Already people were beginning to understand that Latinos in America was a young population and that it was growing very fast. And so when you look at those trends, if you are a business entity, you have to cater to your audience. If you don't have product that your audience wants, they're going to go find it somewhere else. And at the time, Dora the Explorer, which came after Taina, and uh, the Brothers Garcia. George Lorena, 
you better open the door because that's going to go Ricky Ricardo on you. Which was a Mexican family, also started in the network about the same time. So not only did Nickelodeon support Taina, they went after the Latino audience in a big way by having three very different shows. When you were talking to executives about this idea and naming her Taina after her Taino indigenous roots, and you were basically saying, look, yes, she's Latina, she's Taina, she's Puerto Rican, but she's 100% a New Yorker and she's an American girl. That's right. And that was, to me, the challenge. How do you tell stories that show her struggling with her keeping what she values of her Latino heritage, but defining life in the things that she liked about her American culture? Renee and I have catering jobs tomorrow night, so uh, we have to learn to serve on skates. But tomorrow's the Morales Sanchez annual domino tournament. I'm sorry, Papi, but this is really important. I'm going to have to miss it. And we had many stories, like her quinceañero, for example. My mother is so excited. She says a quinceañero is one of the most important days in a young Latina life. She wanted to celebrate it in honor of her family, but she didn't want to wear the poofy dress that her mother wanted her to wear. There's something I want to say, and and I I want you to just listen. Well? look so good in pink. And so that was a really fun episode. We won awards for it because she really came up with a solution for herself. And did you have a quinceañera? And was that your kind of response to quinceañera? (laughs) Absolutely. My mother couldn't afford two parties two years in a row. So my sister's one year older, and my mother had a quinceañera for her. And then she goes, you know what? I'm going to just add the 14 in the corner of your sister's cake for yourself. And so because I can't afford a party for you next year. So no complex, right? I'm a middle kid, and I never got my celebration. I got to kind of shadow my sister's party. And... Till this day, my sister resents the fact that she never had her own party and that my name was on her cake. So we still have that banter that goes on and on during, you know, family holidays. Hello? Isn't this supposed to be my quinceanero? Just be lucky you're having your own party. I had to share my party with Rosa. And our dress? We had to wear it in shifts. But that's exactly what the story was about in the party, that the mom and her sister were still bickering because they never got their own parties. And so Taina is saying, you know what, that's your drama. I want my party. And in fact, I want to wear what I want to wear. And that's what I'm going to do. Coming up on Latino USA, we talk about the TV show's iconic theme song. Stay with us. No te vayas. This message comes from NPR sponsor, BetterHelp, a truly affordable online counseling service. Fill out a questionnaire online and get matched with a licensed counselor best suited to your mental health needs. Whether it's depression, anxiety, or trauma, BetterHelp will help you overcome what stands in the way of your happiness. Learn more at BetterHelp.com and get 10% off your first month with promo code LATINO. BetterHelp. Get help anytime, anywhere. Queer Eyes' Karamo Brown still remembers what his teacher said years ago on his first day at a new school. What kind of name is that? Mm. And I remember just shrinking in my seat and feeling like I don't want to be different. The stories behind the celebrity. Every Tuesday on It's Been a Minute from NPR. Mm. 
we're back. And when we left off, Maria Perez-Brown was telling us about how Nickelodeon was hoping to capture the Latino audience in the early 2000s. Now, we're going to talk about one of my favorite episodes. But first, I had to ask Maria about one of the most iconic parts of the show, Taina. Can we talk about that theme song, though? So, oh my goodness, the theme song. I remember the theme song was so important because as the creator of the show, I had written a list of the attributes that I wanted in a song. I wanted it to be aspirational. I wanted it to have a hook that people wanted to sing. And I wanted it to talk about her dreams. Even though it's in her fantasy, it's so palpable, it's so real that she sees her name in lights. I'm going to be completely honest. We were against the clock. And so my co-writer, Kaz Hyman, and our musical composer... We went into Orlando. We had a bottle of tequila. We got really drunk. (laughs) We said, you know what? We better write this or this show is never going to happen. And at the end of it, we had that song that you hear today. And the network did not make one single change. One of the things about Taina is that it just felt very real. It felt like a lot of things that high school Latino, Latina, kids of color might experience, right? There's that one episode. I think it's called En Español. Yes. And it's where Taina, basically, she flunks her Spanish test. This is crazy, Nay. I'm Puerto Rican. 100% body. Well, I can speak Spanish. But when it comes to reading and writing in Spanish, I get an F on my test. And she's got to get her grandfather to sign the flunk test. Abuelo, could you just sign this for me real quick? And then he realizes what happened. Oh! An F on your Spanish test? Didn't I mention that? No. And he kind of goes overboard with, pues ahora vamos a hablar español. Now we're going to speak Spanish all the time, and you're going to remember who you are. You're a Puerto Rican young woman. I remember that because we ran around the set saying, all Puerto Rican, all the time. All Puerto Rican, all the time. From now on, in this house, it's all Puerto Rican, all the time. I'm going to make sure you kids don't forget where you came from. And what that meant was that her grandfather, who, again, represented for me that first generation that sees its culture leaving and sort of that can't really accept that their grandchildren do not speak Spanish the way that they did. And what the grandfather did was he labeled everything in the house with a Spanish word. Taza, vaso, this is leche. El sofá. El sofá. (laughs) (laughs) You remember that? (laughs) And then, of course... One of my favorite scenes, which is, you know, there's an actual rooster in the house. (laughs) You people are crazy. This is not a chicken. This is a rooster. Just like I had when I was a boy in Puerto Rico. A lot of what he was trying to have her experience without actually physically being there was the good old ways, the things we grew up with and that nostalgia that we feel when we leave the island. And what you can hold on to are things or feelings or conversations or stories that you can pass on to your next generation. But it's, it's hard. And so we struggle with how do you pass that on to your own children? It was a very successful show. Taina was doing really well. And then it was gone. Only two seasons. 
So I'm sure that a lot of people wonder, what happened? The reality of television is that it is a business. When they canceled the show, we had already started writing third season. We had uh, written a movie that they were going to come back with a three-part movie. And the network made a decision to cancel the show. And there were some issues. There were some talent issues. There were some deals that were signed that were not part of the plan. It was a total business decision. It had nothing to do with the talent, with the show. The audience were just as shocked as we were when we were told right before we start shooting, um, no, the show's been canceled. I'm wondering if there are people, you know, your fan base who is saying, well, you know, shouldn't there be a reboot of the modern Taina? Well, funny that you say that. (laughs) As a matter of fact, we are in early conversations with Nickelodeon about a potential reboot. And, uh, you know, reboots are popular now that you see things like Fuller House and... One Day at a Time. One Day at a Time. Murphy Brown. Exactly. First of all, there's a reason why reboots are working, right? You have the original audience that grew up with those characters and loved them and have a feeling that they had back then. They also knew that because they liked them, they'd like to play them for their children. So you're writing the show on two levels. You're writing for the nostalgia audience that loves Taina. Taina has to be older now. So in the reboot that we're talking about... About, without revealing too much, uh, we are reaching out to the original cast and we are hopefully bringing back the same characters, but as adults now with their own families. And what are they doing when it comes to the art? Are they still pursuing the arts? Are they working? Are they still struggling artists? Because it's a reality that you could, when you were 15, want to be a singer and you're doing bit parts, but nothing really has popped for you. But some of them are successful in other businesses. I mean, if we never do the show again, it still has a life with how people remember and engage with the content. The latest thing I saw was people going around New York City trying to find the exact locations where Taina sang the songs, and then they record themselves singing the song that was sang in the show. What do you think about that? I think that when I see it, I feel, wow, to be able to create a character, give birth to a character that is timeless that people have such an emotional connection with that character that they want to write about it and engage with it. It's really cool. I could have done that show if they never paid me, but it was nice that they did. Maria Perez-Brown, thank you so much for speaking to us about Taina and her legacy. It's been great. Thank you so much. Maria Perez-Brown is an award-winning producer and the creator of the Nickelodeon shows Taina and Gullah Gullah Island. This episode was produced by Janice Yamoka and edited by Sofia Palizacar. Latino USA is produced by Miguel Macias, Antonia Cerejido, and Alicia Escarce, with help from Ginny Montalvo and Joanne de Luna. Our engineers are Stephanie Lebeau and Julia Caruso. Additional engineering this week by Leah Shaw. Our production manager is Natalia Fidelholtz. Our digital editor is Amanda Alcantara. Our interns are Julia Inés Esparza and Julia Rocha. Our theme music was composed by Zeña Rubinos. If you like the music you heard on this episode, be sure to stop by latinousa.org and check out our weekly Spotify playlist. I'm your host and executive producer, Maria Hinojosa. Join us again on our next episode. And in the meantime, I'll see you on all of our social media. Hasta la próxima. Ciao.
Latino USA is made possible in part by the Annie E. Casey Foundation creates a brighter future for the nation's children by strengthening families, building greater economic opportunity, and transforming communities. The Heising Simons Foundation, unlocking knowledge, opportunity, and possibilities. More at hsfoundation.org. And the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation. Was hard and I was afraid to go like this. No, no, I, I know because I, 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 well, you know, it's a Mexican studio, so you know, we just like <laughs> smash people all up in here together and then make it difficult for you to get in and out here. I'm Maria Hinojosa. Next time on Latino USA, a conversation with Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren, candidate for the Democratic presidential nomination. I want to shut down for-profit detention centers from the beginning. I don't believe that anyone should be making a profit from locking people up. That's next time on Latino USA.